Most of you know that I coach football. I've always loved it. I love the sport. Before you go out, you know, if it's, let's say it's a game time, even practice time, you had to put on the gear because it's a dangerous game. People are running really fast, running each other, tackling, knocking, blocking, all of those kind of things. Uh, and, and, you know, other times in football we'd say we're going to battle or we're going to war because it's a tough thing. When you think about a football player, you, you think about you got helmet and shoulder pads and knee pads and thigh pads and hip pads, and you got things for your hands and things for your elbow and even and even rib pads and, and shoes with cleats and just everything. And so you say, well, that's what you've got to have if you're going to play football. Well, what about, what do we got to have if we're going to live for Jesus Christ? And we see that in, in Ephesians 6, and what we're going to talk about the next week or two, is this armor. God has provided for us an armor. Uh, so we can stand for Jesus Christ in a fallen world. And this morning we're going to begin looking at the armor of God and we're going to see some great things. Now, we have been looking at God's promises, God's, pro God's uh, provisions and His responsibility. Let's remember His promises. That, that were three things. God is working in our lives. That means no matter what comes in our lives, bad or good, we just got to trust Him. Number two, we are responsible. This is where we brought up the point that we're not victims. We're not victims in sin. We, we do it. We're not going, oh, it wasn't any fault of mine. I just was a victim. No, well, it's, it's great truth to know that we are not victims. And then the third thing is victory is possible. And that's a, a great, great truth. And so we saw that. Now, what we've been doing is now we've moved to the provisions. And there are three things. The Word of God, the Holy Spirit, and armor of God. We've already seen the Word of God and the Holy Spirit. We saw those last time. In fact, we saw both the Word of God and the Holy Spirit last time. Well, the, this morning, we're going to look at the armor. We're going to start there because there's so much in this. But let's review just for a second the Word of God because this is, when we start thinking about a church, what is the purpose of the gathering on Sunday morning? It's twofold. What is it? To worship Jesus Christ and to be what? Trained and equipped to serve Him. How do we do that? How do we worship Him? How do we know what He's like? Where do we go to find out who God is and what He's done? Because that's what worship is. Worship is responding to God, to who He is and what He's done. How do we know? Where can we go to find out who He is and what He's done? The Word of God, the Bible. And then when we talk about being equipped and trained, where do we go to be equipped and trained? Word of God. That's why it is so important. We said there are four things about we need to know the Word, which is to study it, and then you should be able to put it together. And you know, it's, it's funny that a lot of Christians say things like, well, you know, I'm a Christian. I, I don't know the Bible. And I want to say to them, why don't you know the Bible? If you've been a Christian for two years, three years, you should have an understanding of the Scripture. A big, broad understanding. You can't know all the stuff. I mean, nobody knows all the stuff. Jesus wrote it. He knows it all. But, but the idea of saying, I don't know the Scripture, uh, you should. What if you've been a Christian for 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, 30 years? Should you know it? Well, we should know the Bible. The second thing is we should apply it. That's taking the truths. It's not just the knowledge, but it's taking the truths of the Bible and making application in our lives. We talked about this one last week. Memorize the Word, taking the Scripture and putting it in our brains so that when you say something like, well, somewhere it says something about this, say, no, John 3.16 says this, and you just quote the verse. Or John 6.47 says this. Or Romans chapter 4, verse 5 says this. We should be able to do that. To memorize the word, and then last, but to meditate, to put the truths of the word of God in our brains and to think on those. So that was the Bible. We talked about that one. <clears throat> and that is, that's the key. 
Because it's the foundation for everything that we do as Christians. The second thing, if we're going to have victory, is live in the power of the Holy Spirit. God has given to us his power. He does not expect us to live the Christian life in our power. There's no possible way to do that. It's the power of the Holy Spirit. Galatians 5.16, walk in the Spirit, you'll not fulfill the lust of the flesh. If we want to have victory, when, when the Bible says in that 1 Corinthians 10.13, there's no temptation to you that is such, but such is common to man, and that there's not one that God's not going to allow anything to come in that will be beyond what you are able, but he will get, make a way of escape. Look, he's giving you the power. We don't have to sin. Every time I sin, it's because I choose to sin. Do you agree? Do you choose to sin? Yes or no? Yeah. I mean, it's not a game. We're not, we're not saying we're victims. We, God has said, I, you don't have to sin. You have the power of the Holy Spirit to live by the Bible. That's, that's really the key. Now, here's the third area. And this is the one I think is vital for us, and it's the armor, the armor of God. When we think about it, we say, well, God's given us the Bible, and God's given us the Holy Spirit so we can have victory. But a lot of times we forget about the armor. And when you look in Ephesians, and we're going to look at Ephesians chapter 6, we'll start at verse 10 this morning. We won't go through everything, but we just want you to look at it. When we get there, we're going to talk about the armor of God. God has provided. In fact, I hope you are. You're at Ephesians chapter 6, and this little section is really Ephesians 6 verses 10 through 17. Now, we should know this. We know it's the armor of God. The book is so powerful. And so when we look at it, there's two things to think about. First of all, the charge in verses 10 through 13, the charge to stand strong in God's power. God actually commands us. Paul is writing, but God is actually commanding us to stand strong, to stand strong in God's power. And then the second thing, we actually see the details of the armor, and this is the aspects of God's provision. So we have the Bible, we have the Holy Spirit, and then we have different aspects of the armor of God. But what we want to start with, because we have to understand how vital it is, we want to see the charge. The charge to stand strong in God's power. I want you to look at it. You know, I, I, uh, I, Ephesians is a book that I've studied. I actually did a, uh, uh, a well, in a commentary said I did the book of Ephesians. I had to do it verse by verse. It's the one-volume commentary. Most of you have it, or a lot of us have it. We, uh, we got it through GES, and it's called the, the Grace New Testament Commentary. And it's basically every author in there is coming from what we call a free grace perspective, which means they're going to hold to the Bible like we do, and they're going to believe that salvation is a gift by faith alone and Christ alone. You are aware that a lot of people don't hold to that. So sometimes you get a commentary or a book or you hear somebody talking, and they're going to give you a message that's different than what you hear here. I was listening on the radio uh, just recently, and the person said, in order to be saved, you must give your life to Jesus in service. That's, that's not accurate. That's discipleship. That's not salvation. And sometimes when you pick up a book or a commentary and you want to read something, you want to try to understand something, that person in there may say something that's contrary to what we believe the Bible says. So that's why I think the Grace New Testament commentary is so good because every author in that set uh, comes from a grace perspective. So I got to do the book of Ephesians in there. And when you get to where we are this morning, if you notice, verse 10 begins with, Finally. Because what he's doing is saying, let's summarize. He's been talking about how to live out. First three chapters of Ephesians tells us who we are in Christ, and the last three chapters tell us how to live out 
who we are in Christ. And he tells us things in chapter 4 and in chapter 5. And in the last part of chapter 5, he talks about what wives do and what husbands do and what parents do and what children do and what slaves do, what masters do and how we're supposed to live it out. And then he gets to chapter, verse 10 of chapter 6 and says, Now finally, based on what all the role of the husband, the wife, the parent, the child, the slave, the master, all of these things, based on all that, how are you going to live this out? He says, finally, be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might and put on the full armor of God. So the bottom line is, we all know that we are husbands and wives and parents and children and bosses and employers and employees and, and friends and everything. How do we live out who we are in this world as representatives of Christ? And we've already seen we got the Bible. We've already seen we got the Holy Spirit. Paul says, now, there's one other thing you got to have, and that is you got to be strong in God's power and you got to put on God's armor. And so when we think about it, uh, I, 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 I really think that many, many Christians do not see that we're in a battle. I, 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 don't think you, I don't think we think we're in a battle. I think we just think we're going through life. And, and we don't realize there's a spiritual battle. I've been really, oh, I've been taking, it's taken me so much time. We're getting, uh, this fall, I'm going to teach a class on Wednesday nights. I'd love for you to be in there. It's going to be on angels and demons. There is a spiritual battle. It's amazing how many places in the Bible talk about angels and demons. So we're going to do this study. I've been studying for like two months, and I've already got, I've only got the first two lessons. That's all. There's so much there. We don't realize that there's a battle going on. And most Christians, if you ask who the battle's with, they think it's the unbeliever or a liberal or something else like that. The battle's not people. The battle is a is a spiritual battle. And that's why the armor of God, you've got to have it. So what does Paul say? He says, finally be strong in the Lord and the strength of his mind. Put on the full armor of God so that you may be able to stand firm against the schemes of the unbelieving person. Is that what it says? Did y'all listen? What did it say? Schemes of the what? The devil. The battle. The battle's not against flesh and blood. He'll say that in the next verse. But let's, let's look at what he says. He says, uh, I don't know if this is working or not. There it is. Finally, be strong in the Lord. Notice what he says, be strong in the Lord. It, Paul reminds us that the, the Christian life cannot be lived in our power. We know our power always fails. We're in a spiritual battle. It's not our power. It's God's power. It's a command. Be strong in the Lord. Be strong in his strength. That's what he's really basically saying, his mighty strength. And by the way, the word mighty strength, the strength of his might, that word is never used of human strength. Never. Never in the scripture. It's always used of divine power. And then he says, put on, put on the full armor. Now, notice he didn't say put on some of the armor. What if we got ready to play a football game and I said, all we're going to have today is helmets. People say, helmets? No, I mean, I'm glad I got a helmet, but, you know, I got to have some thigh pads. I got to have some shoulder pads. I, I got to have, you know, you can't go play with just part of the outfit on. And when we walk out of these doors into the fallen world system in the spiritual battle that we're in, we can't go half-dressed. you got to have the armor. That's why he says, put on the full armor of God. And it literally says, wrap yourself in the armor of God. That's what the word meant. It was full armor. There was a, that's a special Greek word, by the way, for full armor. It was the word that meant every bit of it, all aspects of it. Get dressed in everything that God has given you. And said, he says, put on that full armor of God so that we can stand firm. Notice what he says, stand firm against the schemes of 
the devil. I think it's so amazing that we often do not think we're in a spiritual battle. We think we're in a physical battle. We think we're, you know, the enemy is the next door neighbors. The enemy is the Muslim. The enemy is some this thing. The enemy is the person that says, I don't believe the Bible at all, and you guys are crazy. And we think, oh, they're our enemies. They're not our enemies. They're lost. They're in a fallen world, and they're dead in sin, and they don't understand the things, and they're, they're, they're wrong, and many of them make some very unwise choices, and many of them make some very sinful choices. And one day, as we're going to see in Second Thessalonians this morning, there's going to be a day of judgment for people who reject Jesus Christ. We're going to see it in our passage this morning. And let me tell you, that's a sad passage. I mean, it's powerful. It's sad for somebody who rejects Jesus Christ. It's really sad. And so we look at these people who reject Christ or who don't believe in the way we believe, and we think they're the enemy. And they're not the enemy. Notice, he says, Be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might put on the full armor of God so that you can stand firm against the schemes of the devil. The devil. He's the one. The schemes of the devil. By the way, what does the word scheme mean? What does it mean? Huh? A play it, yeah, uh, to, a trick. The scheme is I'm going to try to trick you. Or I got a plan. I got some way to fool you. I've got something that that I'm going to say one thing. You will be like God if you eat from this fruit. I'm going to say one thing, but it actually means something else. I'm going to always tell you that this is right when it's not right. That schemes are that way. And I'm going to trick you. That's what a scheme is. The schemes of the devil. Have you ever thought about the schemes of the devil? What are his schemes? Look at this. Uh, one of his schemes is that he's not real. That he's not real. People, you talk to some people and you say, do you believe there's a devil? Of course not. There's no such thing as this being with, uh, you know, horns and fitch, you know, pitchfork and red underwear and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, and of course, we make fun of that. Because that has no, that's not anything what the devil is like. The devil is beautiful when you need something to be beautiful. And he is so evil. You cannot, you cannot understand. You cannot comprehend how evil he is. So he, he wants people to think there's no such thing. There's really no such thing. Then second, he wants unbelievers never to trust in Jesus, but to be good. In fact, he tells them, if you're good, God will love you. Yes, there's a God. And if you just live right, one day you'll get to be with God. That's the lie of the devil, and it's all over the world. It's every religion. Every religion is man doing something to get to God. It's a lie of the devil. It, there's no place in the Scripture that says if you do good, you gain eternal life. No place. And yet, we could go out on the downtown Stillwater and just stop people and say, what do you think a person has to do in order to get to be with God? There'll be people who say, well, I think, you know, you try to live a good life, try to keep the Ten Commandments, maybe get baptized, go to church. Start. That's what people will say. They didn't get that from the Bible at all. So he wants, his scheme, his lie is that I don't want you to ever trust Christ. Just be, you can be religious, in fact, I'd rather you be religious. He'd rather people go to church, and if they think going to church saves them, that he's, he's happy with that. The third one is that believers, he wants us to fail and think we can't be used. That anytime we fail, we say something like, well, God will never use me, because look what, I, look what I'm like, look what I've done, look how I've messed up, look how I always mess up, look how I'm going to keep on messing up. I guess God will never be able to use me. And what he really wants is that you to get so tied up with the things of the world, 
whether it's the pleasures of the world or the fact that you're just fallen, he doesn't want you to serve God. I mean, if, you got all, if you're spending all your time going sailing, if you're spending all your time doing other things, if you're spending all your time uh, re- reading the newspaper and never studying the Bible, you're never going to grow. So he, he just says, yeah, I, just, just get wrapped up into anything else other than Jesus Christ and the Word. And he's happy for believers. And last but not least, he says that it really won't hurt you. Sin won't hurt you. In fact, God just doesn't want you to have any fun. You know? So anything that you want to do that you know is contrary to the Bible, it, it, it really won't hurt you. It's not as bad as it seems. It's just a one-time thing anyway. You're just going to do it one time, and it won't ever hurt you. That's his schemes. Lies all the time. He lies all the time. He lies to believers and unbelievers all the time. Paul goes on to say, he says, look, put on the full armor of God that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. Why? Because our battle is not people. Our, our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against spiritual forces of weakness, wickedness in heavenly places. I'm doing the study on angels. The second lesson, we're going to look at all the different kinds of angels you find in the Scripture. There's ones that are called rulers and principalities and powers. There's, certain angels are called that. We don't know much about it. You know there's certain angels that there's an angel that controls a big hole in the ground? Did you know that? Did you know there are four angels that, that during the tribulation keep the wind from blowing so that God can begin to judge? Do you, you know that? There are these demonic angels that come up out of a big hole in the ground during the tribulation, and they look like scorpions, except they have women faces and hair, and they have tails that come up, and instead of a stinger, they have a serpent's face and head on the back of them. Just study it. It's Revelation. Those are demons that come up out of the ground. So we're not wrestling against flesh and blood. And by the way, do you think that there are demonic forces in this room right now? Of course there are. Do you think there are good angels in this room right now? Yeah. When Daniel prayed, do you remember in Daniel chapter 10 when Daniel prayed and it took 21 days for that angel to get there? What did that angel tell him? He said, I was on my way, but then I got in a conflict with this demon, and, and Michael had to come help me. And then he talked about the angels of these particular nations. They're angels and demons that are affecting world leaders. You understand that? There's a big meeting coming up. What is, when is it? Tuesday or Wednesday? When is that meeting? It's coming up, right? That you think, you think that there's not demonic forces in the world there, and, and, good, and there's good angels too. Listen, there's a battle going on that you can't even see. And he says, our struggle is not against people, but it's against these forces. Because there is a demonic angel who is evil, who God has allowed to be the God of this age, who controls a world system that affects you. And that's his plan. And you're going to have to be ready or else we're not going to make it. We're not going to be able to stand. We're not going to be able to have victory day in and day out. So what does he say? Therefore, 
He restates the command. Therefore, in verse 13, therefore take up the full armor of God so that you'll be able to resist in the evil day and having done everything to stand firm. He doesn't say go fight the devil. He says stand firm. Put on the full armor of God so you can resist him because he's coming after you. We're not going to fight the devil. We're going. We're not going after him. We're standing strong. We're putting on the armor of God. And notice what he says when you put on the armor of God. What do you do? What does he say? Very last two words. Stand firm. Stand firm. As you, as you know that the attacks are coming. And let me tell you, the more you seek to do for Jesus Christ, the more the attacks are going to come. You, you could say, well, I ain't doing nothing then. <laughs> and then you'll be embarrassed when you stand before your Savior. Because he said, fight the good fight. Run the race with endurance. Keep your focus on me. That's what he says. So you got to do it. you got to stand strong. We're not in this by ourselves. He says, I gave you the Bible. I gave you the Holy Spirit. I'm giving you the armor. You're not victims. You can stand strong. So, quickly, let's look. He says, therefore, take up the full armor of God so that you'll be able to resist in the evil day evil day than which we live in, having done everything, stand firm. And then in verse 14, he says, stand firm, therefore, and he begins to list it. And so in verses 14 through 17, we see the armor, and we need to know what they are. Look at this. Here's what he says. Having your loins girded with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, having your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, taking the shield of faith, which is extinguishing the flaming errors of the evil one, the evil one, Satan, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. So what we see is truth, righteousness, gospel of peace, shield of faith, helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. This is the armor. And you've got to put it all on. And he's going to list it. And just remember, let me, I, I know we've got just a few minutes, but I want you to remind you of this. When Paul writes this, he's in prison. And he's in prison in Rome in his first, Roman, in, first imprisonment, and he was there for about at least two years, maybe, maybe longer. And he was in what was called house arrest, which means people could come see him. He couldn't leave. But he had freedom for people to come see him all the time. He wasn't in a hole in the ground. That's second. That's his last part of his life when they threw him in a big hole in the ground. And this time, he's in a house. He actually can write letters. He is chained to a soldier. And he would look over there and say, helmet, shield, shoes, belt. I mean, he, he looked at it. He used a Roman soldier's outfit to describe God's methods, God's provisions for us. And he said, there's a belt of truth, and there's a helmet of salvation, there's shoes of the gospel of peace, there's a shield of faith, there's a breastplate of righteousness, there's the sword of the Spirit. So he listed those as he was looking at that soldier. And let me tell you what he said, too. He also said that many of these Praetorium guards. They were soldiers in Rome that belonged to Caesar, and they were there to hold Paul. He said, many of them have come to know Christ. You know why? Because they're chained to Paul. And Paul says, hey, I'd like to talk to you about something. And they can't leave, and he can't leave. So there, one of them probably sitting there saying, boy, I'd be glad my watch is over. And, but Paul led many of them to Christ. Think about that. So let's look quickly, and we've got just a few minutes. Let's look at the first one. He says, stand firm, therefore, having girded your loins with the truth. So the command, stand firm, be anchored. That's how it begins. Be firm, stand firm, uh, be anchored. And then he says, put on the what? The truth, the belt of truth. 
Now, in that day and time, the belt was this thing that went around, and it held the sword. It kept the, the breastplate. The breastplate was like this thing, and it tied into the belt so it didn't move around. Because if you're fighting and your breastplate moves over this way, they could kill you. So he had to be in a place that didn't move. And so actually, the belt of truth, the belt, held everything together. And that's why I think he started with that, and he calls it truth, because truth holds everything together. Because if this is not truth, we have what? We have nothing. We have nothing. If this isn't the truth, see, and, and we, we believe it is the truth. And I love what Mark Twain, said. Mark Twain said, Oh, I can travel halfway around the world while the truth's still putting on his shoes. It is true. Listen, there's a proverb that says that when you, these whisper things, we're we anxious to hear some kind of gossip because it goes right down. If I came up to you and said, Hey, I got something you you want to know something that you know and I know what happened to and everybody goes yeah what happened see lies gossip those kind of things it'll travel halfway around the world and the truth is still over there going I can't find my shoes right okay so what we need to do what is stick to the truth and not anything else so the truth um, let me tell you the devil's the devil is a liar John 6:44. he's been a liar from the beginning he'll always lie to you one thing about it, if you, if you know it's from the devil, just remember whatever he's saying to you is not true because he's a liar. It could be a half-true. It could be with the day you eat this fruit, you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. That was a half-true because the day that they ate the fruit, they were like God since God knew good and evil. They now knew good and evil, but it wouldn't make them God. That's what they thought they would be. And he lies all the time. The devil is a liar. The devil lies. He says, sin will not hurt you. It won't. God just doesn't want you to have any fun. God doesn't really love you. If he loved you, you wouldn't be in the trouble you're in. If he loved you, you wouldn't have heartache. If he loved you, you wouldn't have sorrow and, and tribulation and everything would work out good all the time. If God really loved you, God doesn't really love you or else everything would be smooth. And then his third thing is works can save you. If you, if you just do good, then God will save you. He's a liar. He's a liar. Well, where do we get the truth? Jesus Christ is the truth. John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. God's word is the truth. John 17, 17, thy word is truth. And then the Holy Spirit is called the spirit of truth. So you have it. You have the Bible. You have Jesus. You have the Holy Spirit. All is the truth. And so he says, we start off by having truth. So if somebody came to you and said that if you don't do good works, you're not going to heaven, you say, that's not the truth. If somebody said you could lose your salvation, you can say, that's not the truth. If somebody says there's not going to be an antichrist or a rapture or anything, you can look at them and say, that's not the truth. Because you know the truth. You know the truth. You have the way, the truth, and the life because he's the way to go to heaven. You have the Holy Spirit inside you. You have the Bible, which is the truth. So the very first way that we're going to be able to stand strong is stand on the truth of Jesus, the Word of God, and the power of the Holy Spirit. That's what we've got to do. So put on the armor begins with the belt of truth that holds everything together. So application, let's stand against temptation using the armor of God. That's the only way you can stand. You've got, the, you've got the Bible, and you've got the Holy Spirit. Well, now we've got the, the armor, so let's stand. And, then the, and, and here's the second thing. Let's 
Let us hold to the truth of God. The truth is Jesus Christ. The truth is the Word of God. The truth is the Holy Spirit. We're going to have to know the Bible and apply it in God's power.